You're listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. Welcome back to another edition of Neighbors and Nations podcast. I'm excited today to have with me uh, not only fellow pastors, but some friends who have planted out of first family and are now pastoring their churches. And man, guys, good to have you on board today to talk Neighbors and Nations. Welcome. Good to be here, Todd. Yeah, thanks Mm. for having us. Hey, why don't we go around the room and give our audience just a quick um, byline of who's here and where you pastor and maybe how long you've been there, that, that kind of deal. Can we do that? Yeah, Eric Trout, uh, lead pastor and planter of Restoration Church in Adel. And uh, we just celebrated a year in September, so we're about 14, 15 months. And the emphasis there is on the A in Adel. Right. Not Adele, but yep. Adel. Yep, not like the singer. <laughs> okay. Steve. Yeah, I'm uh, Steve Christensen, lead pastor of Life Change Church in East Des Moines. And we've been uh, in existence for three years and about a month, so just over three years. A lot of time flies, doesn't it? It goes quick. Mark Spencer, uh, pastor for First Family Church in Bondurant. Um, Bondurant was the first church plant out of Ankeny. Uh, the church plant's been around since 2013-14, uh, uh, so about six, seven years. Uh, I've been lead pastor there for about a year and a half. And you took over, you were an elder there. Yes. And then when Pastor Carlos moved to California, you became the vocational pastor. Yes. You were, you were there, I guess, what do you call it, voluntarily? <laughs> is that right, the right <laughs> word? I don't know what you call it, but as an elder, you worked at Principal, is that yes. right? Yes. Yep. And so that's a, that's a neat story to see how God led you there vocationally. Yeah. And how long you said now? So a year and a half. A year and a half. Pastor. And this was your first ministry gig, wasn't it? Yes. Wow. You just jumped right into the seat. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Reed, City Point Church in Urbandale, and we are just over two and a half years old. So Urbandale, Bondurant, East Des Moines, Adel, and then of course missing from our group today is Jason Laxton. He pastors First Family of Albia, called and said he wasn't able to make it at the last minute. So just kind of getting a sense of, you know, the, the network that's kind of between us pastors. It's called officially the 435 Network kind of rooted out of John 4.35, to lift up your eyes and look on the fields. And so I look at these different places as fields, you know, in which uh, God's planted you guys. And obviously the the heart that you have is to reach your area, to reach people for Christ. Um, And so this podcast called Neighbors and Nations is designed to stir within people a heart for missions, both local and global. Uh, Missions is a key part of our DNA. I know it is for you guys. And yet I think we'd all admit it's not an easy part of leadership. The natural tendency is to focus on yourself. And it takes discipline and uh, a sense of mission to continue to focus outside of yourself. And so thus, the need for this podcast and what my heart beats for is to help stir within people that desire. You know, what can I do and how can I think outside of myself, both locally and globally? So let me just start with this question. Um, Do you find that hard? And if so, maybe how? Like, is having your people think about neighbors and nations difficult? Is one easier than the other? Do you find that they work in sequence? Maybe just kind of throw some thoughts into this pool of meaning here about these two words and just jump in when you want to. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, it's hard because one, you see what's right in front of you. So it's easier to focus on just neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's also a fear there, I think, for me, if you start talking too much about um, things that are abroad or not right in front of you, you're, I get afraid sometimes that our people will be like, why are we focusing on that when we have or given money or resources to those things? And so that makes it hard. doesn't mean it's true. It just, mean, mm-hmm. it just makes it hard. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said, do you think it's hard? Because all of us would... <laughs> Agree, it is right. I mean, (laughs) that was probably a bad question, but yeah, it's a we're a brick and mortar people, aren't we? Kind of a close context. What do I see in front of me? Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put that. Like you said, Nick, it's what's in front of me. Yeah. What else you guys think? How hard is it? Maybe not. Is it hard? (laughs) Yeah, I I think the tension lies in making it a both hand because it's it's easier to focus on one or the other, right? And and I think. For me, that's why, like, when we talk about reaching the nations, you got to put a face to it. If there's if there's no context, picture, or stories that people can grab a hold of, to nations are just some far off place that I may never go to or experience, right? Um, but it's difficult in the neighbors' part because yes, we see them all the time. But that means there's a greater risk in me communicating with those neighbors because, hey, this could affect our relationship moving forward because I'm going to see you again. I think it was uh, John Piper that said everyone's either a sender, a goer, or disobedient. And <laughs> That uh, sounds like Piper. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> put, it, put it straight. I think that when I think about neighbors and nations, I think that we tend to compartmentalize and think of missionary work internationally as something completely different than what we are here. And I almost don't like that, that categorization of I'm either a sender or a goer. Um, I mean, we all are all, we all are both. Yes, we should be uh, supporting those efforts that take the gospel to all ends of the earth. But likewise, we should also view ourselves as being planted right here in this local area and reaching this local, I mean, this is the harvest field that's right in front of us. And so um, I do think that we tend to compartmentalize and think that missions is something that we do externally, you know, in some foreign place, whereas, you know, my neighbors is just my normal part of life. I can see what you're saying. Do you think that that mentality, though, might lean into what some have criticized when they say that if everything is missions, nothing is missions? Like, are, are, in your mind, do you think, every, is everything missions then? And if it is, then what's really different about going to a group with where you don't even speak that language? Because that is different in some ways, true or not? I'm not trying to put you on the spot in a weird way, but I actually did, so forgive me, I guess, right? I mean, how to talk about that. How, how is, there are some legitimate differences, though. Uh, y- yes, there are uh, Definitely, there would be legitimate differences, but I think that um, what what I'm challenged with, or what I try to challenge myself and and our church with, is to view ourselves as being planted right here in this community to bring the gospel message to our neighbors. That we are not unlike the international missionaries that are going abroad, but but that um, in all in everything that we do, we should be sharing. You know, we've got a unique, we all are in unique relationships with people mm. um, that a foreign missionary would never have uh, that we, then uh, that opens the door then for us to have that opportunity to connect with, connect them with the gospel. So you're speaking about a mentality. Yes. A unity of mentality. Yes. But it may, there may be a diversity of function perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I get on board with that for sure. Yeah. 
Steve, what do you think, these two words, and how hard is it in your context? I think, um, once again, we, we want to take them back to the biblical side of this, the mandate, as we talk about going into all the world, whether that's your neighbor right next to you or literally across you know, the ocean into another place. I think we create a burden uh, within them that is no matter where God is placing us, no matter where God's given us opportunity, let's see where he's working and let's join him in what he's doing, whether it's in my office workspace or whether it's my neighbor, the literal neighbor next door, or whether it's, you know, someone around the world that we have an opportunity to impact. I think that we take them to the scripture that just points them to, this is God's plan. This is his heart for the nation. So we want the same heart as he has. Let's chase that word burden because that probably is more of a, what you're talking about, Mark, that's the heart we're looking for in everyone, right? Like if you have a burden and no matter your context, you're going to find a way to make this a priority. Eric, um, I know where you went to seminary, Southeastern, and boy, they can get to the bottom of the burden in a heartbeat. Like they have a way of, when you leave there, you just know that your role, your goal is to go to the nations, right? Somehow. So how, what did they do maybe to create this burden? I don't know if they created it, but, but answer this question about sure. the burden and your experience at Southeastern. Yes. And I, I'm not getting paid anything for this little plug here. <laughs> yeah, okay. sure, sure. But if, but if we did, it'd be okay, right? It'd be okay. Send uh, it on. Yeah, yeah, podcast. yeah, we can send that money to missions, right? There you go. Um, yeah, so Southeastern Seminary, um, you know, their, their mission statement, their kind of mantra is, I am going. And so like, their goal on campus, whether you're on campus or online, that every classroom is a great commission classroom. So regardless of what specific topic you're studying, it all comes back to the Great Commission and taking the gospel to everyone. And so I'm going somewhere. God's called me to be a teacher. God's called me to be a pastor. God's called me to a local context here in the United States. He's called me to inner city missions. He's called me to another nation. I'm going, and the purpose is to share the gospel, make disciples, plant churches, and see the kingdom of God grow. Um, And so I, I don't think... I don't think they created the burden, but they're leaning into it, right? Like there, there is a burden as Christians to take the gospel and for people to know Christ. We hope there is. Right. And so yeah. because that tension is there, Southeastern is just saying, hey, we're just going to lean all into it and we're going to make and create Great Commission leaders who go. So you mentioned some specific language that apparently you picked up there, like Great Commission classes or the motto, I am going. Mm-hmm. Um, is there some value here, guys? And maybe you have some of this you want to share with us. Is there specific language you use on a regular basis that maybe helps tap into this burden you're speaking of? That maybe that's, that's an interesting thing that they do. Any language you have that you use regularly that might have the same point? Well, our mission statement is connecting the love of Christ to the heart of the community and world. So we feel like that's what we're trying to accomplish. We're, we're creating a burden here that's going to translate there so that no matter where you go. And the next thing that we do is we try to bring our missionaries in front of us at all times. So the last four months, they've been leading us through communion. They sent videos and led us through communion. Really? Um, as a church family. Wow. Just a way for, them, for us to have them continue to connect with us, share their burdens, share an update of what's going on, and yet be a part of actually what is happening right here in our local context. So 
it's always keeping that before us. And of course, the greatest opportunities is if we can get them on a missions trip where they see the actual work being done in other countries. That can you, can creates you un- the greatest burden. Can you unpack that a bit? So you, I guess you video them? Yeah. Like a so, union thing about how they lead you through. That's pretty interesting. Sure. It, it brings what Eric said. It brings a face to the front and they see something, which Nick is saying, and then it's right front and center in front of them. Yeah. So, so we how'd des- you do that? So we decided for our family services that I wanted a way for our missionaries to always be able to connect with, with our families, not just our adults, but that's when we have our, our elementary age children with us in the service. And so I thought, what better way than if they give the communion devotion, if they share communion and give an update on what's going on, what's happening there, and even give communion in a way maybe that's a little different than what we do here, give some different context there. So they have, so far we've done three out of our four foreign missions and they've sent videos and then we play that video during the service and then I just lead them in the actual elements. And so they've given about a 10 minute update, each of them on what's going on in the ministry, what's happening with COVID. We just had Italy and they are in their second lockdown. And he explained what that looked like there, which was a lot different than here. And it really gave our people an appreciation for our freedom, as well as an understanding of, hey, I need to pray for our missionaries in this specific way. So it's been a really fun thing. We have our last one from Japan uh, this month coming up actually next Sunday. And you just record that over Zoom? Yeah, so they recorded it over, uh, they they would send it via either Dropbox or... Well, they just send you a video. So they send me the I video. See, okay. You don't record it with them live? No, not live. Okay. That's really uh, innovative. That's great. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun for our people. Huh. Anybody else from language or maybe even as Steve was saying, maybe some things you're doing that might crystallize for people this idea of neighbors and nations? Yeah, so we often communicate that that we're on mission, that God has laid out the mission in Matthew 28, right? To go and make disciples of all nations. So we're on that mission as followers of Jesus, but not just where we're at beyond, right? And so every week we end our services by reading our commissioning verse together and then sending our church to live on mission. So every week we close our service by sending people to live on mission. God has called you in different vocations, but as followers of Jesus, we're living on mission, taking the gospel. So you where close we are with the beyond. same verse every week. No, no, okay. we, we have a different commissioning verse okay. that flows from what we've preached on that morning, but we end with that phrase, you're sent to live on mission. Oh, and you add to live on mission. Mm-hmm. Okay. We use the words you're sent. But you bring even more specificity. You're sent to live on mission. Yeah, that's good. At the close of every service. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? We use, uh, I mean, we learned it from you guys, but we say you're sent at, at the end of every service. Um, but we also talk about when it comes to uh, nations, we talk about just caring about the things that God cares about. Mm. And so that does develop a little sense of burden in people. Um, you know, like... Uh, what breaks God's heart should break our heart. What God cares about, we should care about. Um, and God cares and would desire that all men would be saved. Um, and so uh, just to try to w- uh, make the gospel bigger than just what's in front of people. But then when it comes to neighbors and being sent in your own context, we talk, we, we use two phrases. We say, occupy your street. 
a lot. Your street is everywhere you go on a regular basis, but it's different than the person sitting next to you. It's even different from your spouse, different from your kids. Um, you occupy that, you fill it with Jesus. Um, we often say, don't hold the Jesus part of you in, let it fall out, let it, let it come out. Um, and then one of the things that I've been thinking about lately that we have, I haven't talked a lot about, but, um, we're going to with our church is just to look at your hand and say, what is in my hand? Because especially in COVID time, everybody, all churches right now are trying to figure out what we used to do, what used to be in my hand feels like it was just ripped out of my hand. And so I, what are we doing? And so the temptation is to maybe look at other churches and to say, like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? And then to try to duplicate that. But what we need to do is just like, okay, God, that thing was taken out of my hand, but now what have you put in my hand? What is in front Mm -hmm. of me? I need to focus on that thing. And the, you know, so we try to get our people to say, okay, or we're going to try to get our people to say, okay, what is in my hand today? And how am I going to be faithful with that thing? Um, Without saying, I'm jealous of what's in your hand or... I wish I had what was in your hand or, you know, or, or, um, just not seeing it and, you know, desiring something else. So just to be faithful with, with what God has put in your hand and to minister to that thing. Um, and one of the things that, that we've started doing, um, we don't own the building that we're in, but they've given us, uh, permission to do this. Somebody from our church quit their job. Um, Matt O'Mealy quit his job in the coffee business to start an education assistance program for what was just an education assistance program for refugee families. But now a whole lot of other people are not in school right now too. They're meeting online and so, uh, or they have school online too. So we're trying to open that up to more families that both parents are working and doing that kind of stuff. But it was something that we probably would have not gone after before. It was still a need with refugee families. We just wouldn't have seen it. And so that was something new that God put in our hand and was like, that's in front of us. And we almost got to the point where like, it's like literally in our hand. We can't say no to that opportunity. And so it's just really just not trying to be super innovative, but just see what is in front of you and then be faithful to, to do something with it. Like availability trumps innovation almost. I hear you saying like, this yeah. is available. We're here. Let's just do it. Well, we work really hard to be innovative and try to do everything like the best possible way that we can. Sometimes maybe it's just more simple than that. Like mm. that is in front of you. Do something with it. Hey, Amen. You know? Do something. Yeah. I want to lean in here a bit, Nick, because you and Steve, um, and I couldn't speak for Jason or Mark or Eric completely, but I think I would be safe to say you guys have a, a stronger emphasis, at least visibly on your community's needs. Like you've done some very specific things. In fact, Nick, I was thinking about language and, and actions. You you actually take off, is it, a, is it a, a weekend, a quarter, and actually work with the city to meet neighbor needs and local things, isn't that? Yeah. And that sends a strong message, man. Yeah, so every time there's a fifth Sunday in the month, we have service weekends, so we just don't have church. And we'll find some way to either encourage our people to serve their immediate neighbors that live right near them, or we'll, we'll work with the city to do something. We've raked yards. We've, you know, and that is a, that is a, that is a good way to like, we worked really hard early on to meet all the city 
gatekeepers, you know, like city council, the mayor, so that we have an inroad to them to say, hey, we have a fifth Sunday coming up. We'll do anything. Like, what do you need done? So, And Steve, you have done some things, I know, even with local ministries, like in partnership and the schools. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in partnership with uh, the Hope Center for Women and Children on a weekly basis. They're right next door to us. They're our neighbors. And so we serve them. We pick up their kids. We pick up them for, for church. We, we uh, do Bible studies with them, um, different activities. And then we're also partners with all of our uh, elementary schools. And so we have access to all of them and we've served them in various ways, whether it's backpacks, again, this year for back to school or other things that they ask us to come in. Movie nights we've done uh, for both our elementary and our junior high. Um, so we're able to partner with them and, and do events. And then just recently we did our Rock the Pumpkin, which is our, our Halloween event. And we're able to uh, partner with USDA's farmers to families and serve 1,200 meals to our community. Um, partnered with another local church, Gospel Preaching Church, Grace Fellowship, and Sean, Pastor Sean Barr. And so, yeah, we, we've had, God's opened up a lot of opportunities and doors in our community for us to serve on a, on a regular basis. Do you find that that kind of emphasis, does it sometimes hinder a focus on nations or do you feel like it actually accentuates it? Does it make them more open to other things or does it sometimes maybe uh, cause them to think, like Nick said earlier, hey, we're doing what we need to do here. Don't worry about them. What do you think? You two especially, yeah. I, w- I would say, I mean, I can, I can definitely see how it, yeah, I, it, I think it has, it could hinder in, in some ways, but for us being a, a really young church, um, as far as salvation goes, she got a lot of young, young believers. And then the few in our church who have been believers for a while and who have been to several different churches, I think the idea of collaboration with as many other organizations, other churches, other people as possible outside of our four walls um, helps to get them to think outside of our four walls in whatever way it is. So I would say for us, it, it's helped because it's just, it, it's changing people's mindsets. We're not going to focus only on what is inside of these four walls. We're going to focus outside of these four walls, period. I mean, like we'll focus on the people inside because we want healthy Christians, but um, we're not just talking about collaborating with uh, our, our local context. We're talking about worldwide. So I think it's helped us in our short life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it becomes a part of the DNA of your church, then you combine the two at all times. And so we have 11 missions organizations that we're already partnering with in only three years that we're supporting on a monthly basis. So half of those are foreign, half of them are, it's six and five. And so we just really help them to see, and once again, connect them always those dots together between local and global. And when you do that, and then you take them actually on a global trip, then it even reinforces it more. And like we sent presents last year, personal presents to kids that they sponsor at a school in Africa. And so when I take them over, take pictures with their kid, with their present, it's just constantly connecting the dots between this is, this is just a lifestyle for us. This is 
what we want to do, not just here, but everywhere. And so it really has to be a part of the DNA. Yeah. And leadership is crucial here. Mark's right that we're trying to change a mentality. So I don't think it hinders at all. I wasn't trying to set you up. I think some pastors or maybe church leadership teams who think it hinders, that's a, that's a very small vision understanding. Because if you can get someone to open their hands, that's 90% of the task. Because if they'll open up locally, they'll typically open up internationally. Like It's the burden that you want them to have. So Mark said the mentality, that's what we're after to change. And often addressing that locally first is a great first step. Mm-hmm. You're right. Hey, uh, why don't you guys share a story with us if you can. I know you mentioned Rock the Pumpkin, Steve. Uh, share just a, maybe a story of outreach in your community, or if you prefer, even maybe how you connected the dots even. Well, you just mentioned that as well about the African thing, but maybe share with us uh, uh, either a neighbor or a nation or maybe a both and thing that recently has worked well, or maybe that didn't work well, what you learned from it. I'll start off. I've, in 2000 and, uh, last year, 2019, uh, we had a back-to-school event. And so I uh, worked with the other churches in Bondurant. Uh, one of the things about Bondurant that's um, interesting is, is that you know, we're the fastest-growing city in the state of Iowa. There's many fam- young families that move in. They, st- they work in a neighboring larger city, in Ankeny, Altoona, someplace like that. Um, but they like the smaller school district compared to those bigger cities. Um, so we get a lot of people, and we've a lot, we have a lot of people that have just recently moved in. Uh, the school district is the heart of our community. That's what a lot of people move to Bondurant with. Uh, most people are mo- moving there because they've got young kids, it's a it's a good school district, and they and they uh, the community really has a burden for the school district. And so, um, I pulled together the other uh, pastors, the other churches uh, within Bondurant, and we had a back to school event uh, where we you know just prayed for the kids. Each of the pastors uh, gave a small uh, sermonette, if you will. Uh, we had a combined worship team. Um, and it was just, it was a good event just to kind of bring the community together, pray for our kids and the school administrators and the teachers and the parents. Um, so it was, it was a good event. I really felt like we had, uh, it wasn't extremely broadly attended as what I was hoping for, uh, in 2019, but I really felt like we had all of the right foundations. I think all of the, the other pastors and churches kind of understood what, what it could look like. And I think that we were really ramping up for 2020 to be a good year to really do more with that. Uh, unfortunately, as uh, COVID hit this summer, it, w- it was just one of those things that, ha- that we had to cancel. But I'm looking forward to that, to doing an event like that again, uh, where we can really rally around that, the school district within the community. Can I say that? I think this is a really important thing that Mark does. One of the things that we've said is it's not about our church, it's about our community. So we've partnered with Grace Fellowship, we've partnered with other churches. And I think that that sends a message to our people that communicates we're working together for the, the, the global kingdom. Even though it's a local context, it's, it's sharing with other churches that are gospel-minded. And I think that that's a huge factor in helping our people catch that vision. That it's not just all about us. It's not about just right here in our context. It's about helping Grace Fellowship. It's about helping whatever other churches. We have a church plant coming in the fall of next year. And I said, we'll be there. Let us know. We'll pass out flyers for you. And when you say that to your congregation, it's saying to them, it's not just about you. It's about the mission that's bigger than you. Yeah, that's another good way to keep changing the mentality. That's yeah. a good point. 
Yeah, you guys, uh, all of you, I think there's a real collaborative spirit, not just among us, but um, for your communities. And I would add, Eric can speak into this a little bit. I would add that we actually exemplify that just in how we give our resources. Uh, you know, the cooperative program is what we are all participating in. And that supports, what, 3,500 plus missionaries through IMB. And so there's a way to talk about that with our people. That too, Steve, is like a collaborative share thing. We're not the only ones funding these people. We're working with 46,000 plus churches to help the gospel get to the ends of the earth. So even in our nations, there's a collaborative aspect that probably I don't talk much about, talk enough about, I'm sure. Eric probably does the best job of us here with that area. I don't know. I'm not to denigrate all of us, but... uh but there's there's a collaborative effort even nat- yeah. Um, internationally. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about being the best <laughs> at the table of communicating that, but but we we do often talk about that we can do more together than we can individually. And so, mm-hmm. yes, Restoration Church is trying to do what we can in a local context in close proximity to us. But when we come together through a cooperative effort with all of those other churches, we're able to do so much more. Um, and that's one of the ways that we're able to put nations in front of our people that, hey, we may not be able to send a lot of us that are in this room out to those places. We may not be able to financially support somebody solely to go do that, but we can come alongside other churches and other individuals to help get them there. Um, and, and even in just a short short amount of time, we've been able to do that. So we, we've got an individual that we're partnering with that actually has come out of our network that is going to one of the darkest places in the world, and we're helping to send them uh, to to reach the nations, right? Uh, and Good we've point. got a couple other church planters that are just getting off the ground, one who just launched last fall and one who just moved to the city where, where they're going to plant, and we're helping send them financially and just coming alongside of them, trying to do the both end of neighbors and nations. Yeah. So, something you just said, Eric sometimes together is the only option. I mean, most of the time it is when you're starting a new church or you're a missionary going on the field, like you have to have other people supporting you. And it's most of the time, not one, it's multiple. And so even just to leverage that and get your people to think like, you remember what it was like when we were trying to raise money. It's not fun, but for some sick people it is, but for, (laughs) for me, it wasn't fun. Um, like Eric, he 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 will ask a, a, an animal for money. It's it's weird, but uh, if the animal's got money, they then open he'll their ask hands it, up yeah. and give it ten yeah. percent at least, right? That's right. Yeah, that's for right. sure. <laughs> but anyway, you you get your people to just remember, like we we would not have been able to plant this church without the support of other people, other organizations, and these people need this. They need, you know. Um, it's, it's almost this thought like, yeah, God's going to do what he's going to do, but he's going to use us to do it. And, um, and so just kind of jabbing at the, the conscience a little bit to, to get people involved with that, because it's got to happen. Let me ask you guys this. Um, there are some folks listening who may want to connect with you or contact you, maybe about some things you've done, like you've worked with your city in a really unique way. Even the city leaders, you call them the gatekeepers. Uh, and I know I get your emails about those fifth Sunday kind of serving weekends. Uh, Mark talked about the backpack thing. Steve about Rock the Pumpkin. We're even working with local ministries regularly. Um, can you guys give maybe a way for our listeners to contact you? Uh, I'm not sure what area that how that's best. If it's a social media platform or an email address, but if you could, we'll start with Eric on this and just uh, give that out. Maybe our 
listeners might want to say, hey, walk me through how you did that. Sure. Uh, yeah, simplest way would be to send an email. Uh, it's just eric at restorationadel.church. Um, and you can find the church or me personally on all social media platforms. Mine's going to be steve at lifechangedsm.com. And you will not find me on all social media platforms. But you can find us on Facebook at Life Change DSM. Uh, because I'm not as sophisticated as Eric. <laughs> so what you're saying is we can't find you on any social media platforms. No, we can't on some. Facebook, maybe something else that I don't know about or never use. But yeah, it's rare. Email is your best option. Email is the best option. And even option. then, we hope you answer. Yeah, we hope. I see it because I have about 300 right now sitting in my box. So We won't go down that road today. Though, no, will not we? today. No. Uh, for me, it'd be... Uh, M Spencer at ffcblife.com, my email address. Okay. Uh, for me, it's nick.citypointu, the letter U, uh, at gmail.com. And you can find me on Facebook or our Facebook page at citypointu. Um, and I don't have any other social media platforms either. So, and I will see your email. And respond to it pretty quickly because that little red number that shows up on my phone, I hate that number. It has to be at zero. Zero inbox every day for Nick, apparently. It doesn't bother you at all, no. So here's one last question. Um, Unless you guys want to just share other things randomly, that's fine. But um, how do you keep the passion for both alive in your own heart? Let's just be honest. I think, you know, there's there's a thousand things leaning in on your leadership that can drain you, they deplete you, and you've got a thousand different opinions from people around you, you've got preferences you're aware of, and then you've got your own personal passion. And So how do you keep your own well full in regards to this? Uh, how do you keep your heart like God's? You know, talk a bit about that. Yeah, I, I've got a couple avenues, um, specifically with the nations that you can go to, um, the Joshua project or, or even the international mission board, uh, currently, um, both have apps that you can set for daily reminders to pray for specific people groups or, uh, specific missionaries or missions that are happening around the globe. Just keep those things in front of you. Um, which, which I think for me personally, just reminds me of the burden that there's still so many lost and unreached people that we need to get to. Uh, and it just keeps it right in front of me. Um, and as, as far as, it's not a great place to be, but on the social media uh, platforms, you can really stay in tune to what's going on in, in, your, in your neighborhood, in your community. Uh, so, For me, um, I, I want to say that I think the 435 Network, our, our group of church planners, I, I get inspired by the stories I hear, um, by gathering together. Uh, I think it's an important part of my journey is is having a fellowship of brothers that are like-minded and trying to accomplish the same thing, getting the gospel to all the world. And so I get inspired by different stories I hear. Um, and of course, I think the burden for all of us first comes from God's word. I mean, I think that's where it feeds us st- most strongly is as we spend time with God, his heart's for the nation. So we're going to hopefully develop that same heart. But I think the 435 Network really helps accomplish that as well. Steve took my answer, uh, both Sorry. my answers actually. Uh, no, but I, but I agree though that the networks um, that I have the chance to be part of, so 435 as well as the other Bondurant pastors, uh, mm-hmm. the East Polk County pastor group, um, just hearing, just being with those guys from time to time, 
that does, that sparks um, an excitement there and refuels all of that. Uh, also, just uh, time in God's word, God's word points is very missional Amen. all throughout. And so preparing Sunday after Sunday, the message, um, even if it's not a, an obvious topic, um, as you dig deeper into it, you'll, you'll see that. And that should spark, and it should be something that we mention on a regular basis. Yeah, we, we preach through the same series, Mark and I do. Yeah. And we study together, for the most part, each week. Uh, and it's amazing in Ephesians 1 how missional, you know, we see God. Amen. Who took the first step in blessing us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Like, you can't preach that right. and not see a God who... Uh, takes the first step every time. Right. Yeah. And so it's so missional. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah. Nick, what do you do? What's some personal things that help you keep the passion in the right place? Uh, First, I say yes to all of that that's been said already. Uh, But two things I think specifically for me is one, to be in the world as much as I can, because Mm. it's easy to, and when you work for a church, to be to really just be separate from it. Good point. So to be in it as much as as I can. And then two is that I don't always feel passionate about it, so I have to schedule it. Uh, honestly, I just put like two, two groups of people, um, both groups that don't regularly attend my church, uh, city gatekeepers, and then just people that I know and I'm praying for outside of our church. Um, I just schedule red, red, regular check-ins with them. So it's on my calendar. Well, that's really insightful that being around lost people uh, fuels your passion for that. Yeah, you're going to go one of two ways. You're either going to join them and lose your job or <laughs> uh, be missional towards them. Amen. You know, so. How do you guys schedule some time to be with the people who need the message of the gospel? So. One of the things that we're doing this year is we're, I don't know if this is too personal, but we're, uh, we're actually requiring you to be a part of a gym if you're on our staff um, to have a gym or health membership because we want you to be involved in your community. We want you to be, we feel that that's good for you in all different ways, but we want you to be a part. So we're encouraging it as a church by saying this is something we want you to be a part of. Um, the other thing is, is we, we do a thing on the calendar every day at 1210. It went off today. 1210 is love your neighbors from Romans 1210, you know, and so we kind of try to make it intentional. Every day I stop and think about, okay, who's, you know, my neighbor that I need to be intentional with, I need to have a conversation with, I need to pray for right now. And so when you schedule it on your calendar, once again, like Nick said, I think that's an important thing because otherwise we do get busy with the minutia of ministry at times. And and then you just, next thing you know, you haven't spent any time with a lost person in a month and that's what you're preaching about and so it really comes down to being intentional with your time yeah yeah and and i would just add to that like on top of being intentional i think it's being consistent Mm. right so like you can join a gym but if you go to the gym (laughs) at random times like you're going to interact with a lot of different people, but you're never really going to build relationships with any of those people. But if you show up multiple times a week at the same time and see all of those same people in the gym every day, then you start to get to know them with their name. Now you're checking in with them. Uh, and that that's just one of the things that I do, like, uh, just showing up regularly at the same time, seeing all the same individuals in the gym. Another thing, I, I, just, I took the plunge during COVID. I just got a, a job. 
And so I, I work at a local coffee shop in town. And so most of the people, it's really funny because most of the people that I see around town now, I don't know their names, but I know their coffee order. <laughs> That's good. And so I'm at least able to like, Hey, hey like, Mocha, how was your you coffee doing? the other day? <laughs> Whatever you know? drink. And so like able to have that conversation with them because now we have a common thing. And for a lot of people, they don't know what else I do. They just, they know me from the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And so it's helped us really be consistent around some of those people that aren't connected to our church. Mark, you get a job at Chick-fil-A. That's it. (laughs) You should. (laughs) Mark, you left a lot of, you left an environment where you saw a lot of different people. How did that go as far as, did you lose a lot of contact with people then Um, in that sense? Yeah, that, that's been a big adjustment for me. I going in, making that transition, I was aware of it. I'd talked to other pastors and read books and stuff that, uh, that that would be a big change. And so I was expecting it, but definitely it's still been an adjustment for me. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that I was in my previous occupation before full-time ministry. I, I was, I had very daily relationships, deep relationships, working relationships with a lot of people that never went to church or rarely went to church and uh, had all kinds of opportunities to to just strike up random conversations with people about faith and, and Christ and uh, I really was fueled by that. I enjoyed that a lot. And so this transition has taken me away from that. I don't, I'm not around as many uh, unbelievers as what I used to be. Um, what I found that keeps me fueled though, is I do maintain a lot of those relationships. So a lot of the people that I work most closely with, um, I'll randomly check in with them every you know month or so and kind of go through a rotation of folks and have lunch or coffee or whatever with some of them. And that's been, that's really been exciting for me to, to keep that going. It, it's now a point of conversation for us. They ask me about ministry and, and I can uh, pour into them, ask them, challenge them back with uh, great. So, how, you know, have you been going to church lately? Like what we were talking about for the last six years that I've known you. And uh, it's good conversation. So that's good. Um, one thing that helps fuel me, uh, and this is a story that I think um, hopefully it'll speak to all of us is in my mind, uh, most Sundays, you know, is when you stand before your people, and you see them. One thing I try to do is I try to project, okay, what's this going to look like in 10 years? What's this flock, this body going to be acting like towards this town we live in or towards each other or towards our staff, like just our elders, our deacons? If all we do is make sure that they're happy with themselves, if we just make sure their life is comfortable, what will that look like in 10 years? And I would not want to pastor that church. So most every week I think, okay, lead them in a way that I want to be around them in 10 years. Now, maybe that sounds weird. Because I'm still in great need of sanctification. I've got, and maybe that's why I do it, because I know I've got to maintain a discipline of focusing outside of myself, or I'm going to be the world's worst pastor in 10 years. They're not going to want me as their pastor. And I'm probably like, I don't want them as, that's just not a good equation. If after 10 years, all you've done is help someone just have a good life, who survives that? Uh, I don't think a church will. And so, you know, you've heard the story about people who say, man, what happened to our church? You know, it's uh, not what it was 15 years ago. And that didn't happen yesterday. It happened 15 years ago. When you stopped focusing on the fields around you and you focus just on yourself, you never see the end result of that till probably 10 or 15 years later. And then no one wants to be part of that church. So most weeks I look out at our people and I love so dearly. And I think I want to lead you boldly and strongly to think outside of yourself because you'll thank me in a decade. You know, so that really fuels me personally. So 
Anything else, guys, you want to add about Neighbors Nations to those who are listening today? I was going to say one thing about um, when I said being in the world as much as possible. There is a danger to that. Hmm. And the we, we tell our people we want to be around unsaved people as much as we can, but we also want to follow Jesus' pattern in retreating and spending time with God in his word to be refreshed and to be grounded again, because if you don't, you'll end up just being in the world and of the world. And, um, and so we have this, like we, we've got a, Heather and I have a lot of friends who we've had them. We get, we tell our people say yes, as much as you can to uncomfortable situations, because other, if you don't, they'll stop showing up. And here's an example is we have a group of friends that are, um, Bible club parents and whatnot don't come to our church currently. They've been off and on, but they, they oftentimes invite us to things we know and they know by the end of the night, we're going to be uncomfortable. So now when they invite us to these things, they invite us and say, just so you know, we're all going to be drunk by the end of the night, but you're still invited. And so we say, we just say, we want to say yes to that as much as possible. Um, but we need to stay grounded because if we don't, we say yes and we join in. And so, but to, to get to that tension point where people understand your, your line and your limits, but they still know that you love them. Love them. Yeah. You know, and there's so some alliteration there I like. <laughs> yeah. yeah know you your line, but no, we love you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, uh, so there is this, this, um, be in the world, but not of it. Love the world, but don't love the, the ways of the world. And, um, but man, you just gotta be, it's a, it's a fine line to walk cause you have to stay grounded or you're just gonna go to the natural way, which is mm. the way of sin. So that's a good reminder. And you guys are so good for me too. I appreciate your heart for your community where God's placed you. Uh, thanks for loving people who are far from Jesus and risking much to see them come to Christ. Um, I love watching your ministry, and I'm glad we are working together. I mean that, really do. Um, Thanks for being on the podcast today. And if you have any questions, listeners, these guys are available. They're humble. They'll do all they can to help you. And uh, appreciate you listening today. Thanks for listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. To learn more about how to support this podcast and our partners, go to toddstyles.net slash podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app.